0: Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Let me welcome you to a 90-minute broadcast of information that will assist you in understanding Bible prophecy, but as we receive our reports from our broadcast partners all across the world, you'll understand how current events are actually setting the stage for these prophetic truths found in the Word of God to be fulfilled. Glad you could join us. Hope you can give us the entire 90 minutes. A very important program for you. Colonel Bob McGinnis is going to join us from the Pentagon. We're going to be talking about the military and Satan. Now, you'll have to stay tuned to understand that comment. And then the former sheriff of Milwaukee County, Wisconsin. Rich Schmidt is going to join us. We're going to be talking about the defunding of the police. Does that play a a role in the end-time scenario for the United States? Plus, all of our other broadcast partners are going to come to the table with great information as well. So keep the dial set right where it is. We're going to go now to southern France, where we're going to be able to talk with Ken Timmerman, the man who covers geopolitical activities around the world, and, Ken, there is a report out that Iran is close to a nuclear weapons breakout. In other words, they should have nuclear weapons ready to mount on one of those Shahab-3 missiles to send it anywhere, especially towards Israel. We've heard this many, many times. Is this uh, any more definite than we've heard in the past? What do you know?
1: Well, this is a recent report from the United Nations, the International Atomic Energy Agency, who has been sending inspectors to Iran, but they've not been allowed by the Iranians to visit many of the sites that they want to see. They've not been allowed to go to military sites, and they've not been able to view all of the enrichment facilities that the Iranians are using. What we see now is kind of a mixture between what the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency itself, has said about Iran and their stockpiles of low-enriched uranium and what the Iranians say. The Iranians say that they have enriched more than what they've shown to the United Nations. In fact, they've got over a ton and a half, 1,500 kilograms of low-enriched uranium, which would be enough Uh, if they enriched it up to weapons grade to give them nuclear breakout capability. In other words, enough uh, nuclear fissile material for a single weapon. That is not the Iranian plan. The Iranian plan, which was discovered by Israeli intelligence two years ago when they found the secret nuclear warehouse uh, outside of Tehran, the Iranian plan is to build five weapons to break out rapidly with an arsenal of five weapons. They are not there yet uh they have enough now it appears for a single warhead and they have also been enriching beyond uh, that low enrichment uh amount they've been going up to 20% something else they have not told the iaea so this is a mixed bag if you wish uh the iranians have gone way further than they were supposed to go under the uh bad iran deal which the united states pulled out of in 2018 They're, they now have about five times the amount of uranium Uh, enriched uranium that they were allowed to have under that regime. But they have not yet broken out entirely from the uh, strictures, the restrictions of the non-proliferation treaty.
0: At this point, however, more dangerous than we have known from a nuclear perspective in the past for Iran. And the Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu making a statement that Israel will never allow Iran to have a nuclear weapon of mass destruction, especially one that they could use against the Jewish state. We'll stay on top of that story with you. Also, Iran, they are amassing their soldiers, a mighty force there at the Israeli northern border. Now, We thought that Iran had pulled out of Syria, but what's the word?
1: Well, what's interesting here, and this comes from a Russian source, Jimmy, which is even more interesting—a uh, you know, an advisor to 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 Putin, uh, the Iranians. Uh, appear to be reflagging, uh, if you wish, their officers and some of their soldiers in Syrian army uniforms and bringing them right up to uh, the Israeli border, mixed with Syrian units uh, at Syrian bases. And they've done this because the Israelis have been hitting them hard in recent months at their bases in Syria they've also been hitting um, the recruits that Iran is bringing in from Iraq and Afghanistan to fight as proxies for them in Syria and so they're taking big losses and one way uh, that uh, we've discussed on this program that Iran has responded has been to to withdraw troops from some of those big bases it's got in Syria and now we're finding out as I say from a Russian source, that a second response uh, that Iran has made to Israel's strikes on its forces has been to put them in different uniforms, to put them in Syrian uniforms and mix them in with Syrian soldiers along the Israeli border. This is the first.
0: I've got to remind everybody listening that a couple of years ago, Ken and I were in a conversation. He was in northern Iraq, there in the Christian areas, And we had a conversation from that location, but now it seems like Iran, we're not going to be able to get away from Iran, it looks like in our discussion, Ken, but Iran is expanding its influence in Iraq, in these Christian areas. What can you tell us about this?
1: This is a a horrible story. It's something I've reported on. We've talked about it on this program. I've been in the towns that you know are now in the news. Bartella, in particular, is a town where you have these Iraqi Shabak groups. These are Shiite groups supported by Iran, uh, with their own militias who are taking over uh, Christian territory. They're they're buying up houses of Christians who uh, are not coming back to their homes. They are. Seizing uh, empty property, you know, they're, they're basically trying to establish a beachhead of Iranian domination right in the Christian heartland. This is this is the area. Remember, in the Nineveh Plains in Iraq, uh, the you know, proselytized by uh, Saint Thomas in the first century. Uh, this is probably one of the uh, very oldest Christian communities in the world. They still speak. Uh, Aramaic, the language of Jesus, in their church services and amongst themselves. Uh, And here we have the Iranians trying to essentially uh, finish the work of ISIS in stamping out this community, this Christian community, forever.
0: Well, that's a story we want to stay on because basically no other media source that I know of is reporting this. And in fact, here's another story that uh, the... Media, the mainstream media, is not reporting. You and I are, Ken, here on Prophecy Today. We've been focusing on what's going on in Libya, the conflict between Turkey and Russia. However, reports now saying that Egyptian tank platoons are right there at the Libyan border, ready to challenge Turkey. What do we know?
1: Well, this also was is a, is a first this week. A reporter at the border drove past a convoy And posted the video on Twitter, a convoy of 18 Egyptian tanks. These are, uh, M1A2 Abrams main battle tanks assembled in Egypt at a factory, by the way, Jimmy, that I visited in the 1980s, built by the United States. So these are Egyptian assembled American tanks on tank transporters and uh, it's really extraordinary footage. The guy is in a car going the opposite direction, and he films them, and you can see bing, 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 you know, one after the other. All 18 of them right up there at the border station, re- at the border post, ready to cross over into Libya to help General Haftar. General Haftar is the um, uh, anti Islamist uh, leader in Benghazi, who uh, over the past couple of weeks has undergone a, a dramatic a military reversal, several big defeats that we've talked about over the past two weeks on this program, lost his an air base on the outskirts of Tripoli and is now back in Benghazi. And the Egyptians are supporting Haftar because they are very worried that the government in Tripoli, backed by Turkey, uh, is an Islamist government and it will essentially revive the Muslim Brotherhood. And remember, it was the Muslim Brotherhood that took over Egypt after the Arab Spring, and General al-Sisi, who is now the president of Egypt, he is the man who defeated the Muslim Brotherhood and brought uh, Egypt back to a more uh, secular uh, government.
0: Well, let me stay on Libya just for a moment. We've talked about, as you mentioned, the last couple of weeks, Russia and Turkey going at each other there in Libya. However, there are reports they could agree on some things. What do we know anything about that?
1: Well, that's going to be interesting, and this is where we left it last week. Last week we were, we were talking about this, and I said, just stay tuned to see if the Russians don't make some kind of agreement with the Turks instead of confronting them, because I don't think either one wants to confront each other militarily. And so now this week we're learning, again, from a Russian source, that the Russians are looking for a negotiated settlement, which means they're looking for a diplomatic way of ditching their ally, General Haftar, uh, to come to an agreement with Turkey. Now, one proposal that I've heard is being batted about right now is this would be a big agreement, not just about Libya, but about Libya and Syria. So the Turks would acquiesce to uh, letting the Russians and the Syrian government control Idlib, this province in northwestern Syria that Turkey is, is, is disputing right now. And in exchange for that, the Russians will say, okay, you can have Libya. <laughs> this is the geopolitical chessboard here, Jimmy. Uh, we, get, we get Syria, you get Libya. That's basically what it amounts to. Uh, it's a big deal. Um, if it if it actually happens, and it would uh, put Turkey in a uh, dramatic new position in the Mediterranean where they can uh, essentially exert control over the oil and gas routes from Israel.
0: Dear friends, what's so exciting and interesting about this, all the players that Ken has been talking about mentioned in Bible Prophecy, they'll form an alliance against the Jewish state of Israel in the last days. More on that when I take a look at the book. Ken, very important report always when we get a hold of you there in southern France. And uh, thank you so very much. We we'll appreciate it. We'll have another conversation next week.
1: Great pleasure to be with you, Jimmy, as always.
0: God bless. We're going to take a break when we come back. A Middle East news update. David Dolan standing by. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today.
2: Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com.
0: Questions asked in the past can be answered on the website if you just check it out and go to that particular spot. Prophecy Quiz is available and parts of our Prophecy Today program, if you should miss any part of it, will be heard the next week right here at prophecytoday.com.
2: And don't forget, you can even email your questions to us for our live radio broadcast. Just go to our website at prophecytoday.com. You'll be amazed, you'll be surprised at what you'll find on our website. Be sure to visit us at prophecytoday.com on the World Wide Web.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today, everybody. I'm Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee, End of this month, we're going to be headed up north. We're going into Upper Michigan. There will be in a three-day Bible prophecy conference. Hope that uh, if you're in that listening area, you'll come and join us as we study the Word of God. More information on the location coming up on our next week's program. Also, I hope that you've had an opportunity to go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash prophecy today. We have our prophecy moment. It's about uh, five to ten minutes each and every day a video where I take a passage of scripture or a current event that's unfolding. We talk about the significance that either the passage or the current event has to the prophetic scenario for the end times. If you do watch it on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, our channel, and also, if you will, give us a review. Like it, send it along to somebody. We're also putting this program out over our Facebook page, and there you can do the exact same thing. Well, promised it was David Dolan as his opportunity to come to the broadcast table to give us his Middle East News update, which is key for each and every one of us. And David, number of items we want to cover, but Iran has its forces amassed there at the Israeli northern border. What can you tell us?
3: Well, continuing signs that Iran is preparing for aggression, Jimmy, as you just said. And we talked a few weeks ago about some Israeli reports that Iran might be pulling its forces out of Syria. That is not happening. In fact, there's significant movement going on. Hezbollah is still very, very active And all of this coming amidst uh, new threats from Iranian leaders against both Israel and the U.S., specifically the foreign ministry spokesman saying that the U.S. is not welcome in the region. He used the uh, phrase from the current uh, racial crisis in America that uh, Washington's uh, knee is on our neck and it has to kneel in front of us and it will kneel down in front of Iran and be defeated by iran so those threats coming some new threats from iran's ally north korea as well so the israelis continuing to watch the northern front very very closely jimmy they know that if there is a war this year with iran that that's probably where it will start meanwhile we continue to have that iranian nuclear program humming again and the israelis are very concerned about that so Uh, All of this happening amidst uh, some new COVID crisis in Israel, cases I should say, a surge of cases there, so they're also dealing with that. But obviously the overall threats to the country are not so much from a little virus, but from what Iran could potentially do in a major war with its allies, and they're uh, very much on alert for that.
0: David, let me take that statement you mentioned about Iran moving ahead with their nuclear weapon program. There are reports they're about to break out with a nuclear weapon of some time, so that caused the Prime Minister Netanyahu to say Israel will not allow Iran to gain a nuclear weapon of mass destruction. Now, he's serious about that, isn't he?
3: Well, he's been serious about that for many years, and he tried to get his cabinet, oh, what has it been now, eight, nine years ago, to authorize an attack on Iran's nuclear program. This was also the case in around 2005, I think it was, or six. So there's been several incidents before this, or times, when not just Netanyahu, previous Israeli Prime Ministers have said similar things as well. Again, we have to remind our listeners that Israel's the size of New Jersey. It's uh, 280 miles long, and at its widest, about 60 miles across. It's a tiny little country, and just one or two non-conventional warheads could be devastating to the small state of israel so they simply cannot allow an aggressive country a much larger country a wealthy arab oil or i should say an oil country that you know has a lot of potential to do harm and of course has built up this network of allies over the years all around israel heavily heavily armed now hamas hezbollah islamic jihad And uh, they just can't permit destruction of Israel. They won't allow it, but they're aware that Iran is moving very fast towards having a a nuclear bomb, Jimmy. It's just the reality. The U.N. is admitting that now and others, so uh, they may have to do something about
0: that. Well, that's an external threat to the Jewish state of Israel internally. Hamas there in the Gaza Strip, the southwestern section of the modern-day state of Israel, Palestinians are saying, raise a gun, and they're calling for violence against Israel, and that seems Hamas is going to get active and couple up with Fatah, who is in Ramallah, all of them wanting to perform violent actions on the Jewish state of Israel. Well,
3: simply put, Jimmy, they want to see Israel destroyed, and We have to remind uh, people, though, that this isn't every Palestinian by any means. And, in fact, I noticed on your website this week a Jerusalem Post article detailing that, that many Palestinians do not want to see full Palestinian state take over. They don't want to see Israel totally withdraw its forces from the areas that they're in because they have law and order. They have a certain stability. They have more economic stability with Israel around. They have more security. They have more press freedom. They have more freedom to assemble. All of these things that people everywhere, young people in particular now, all over the world, are demanding these things. And this reporter went out from a TV network in Israel and asked uh, Palestinians, what's your view of this annexation of, of a Palestinian state coming in its uh, in place of what we have now, and uh, a good part of them said, we'd rather see Israel stay. So that's a reality amongst the people, but of course the leadership, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and now even the PA, under the increasing sway of Iran, under the increasing sway of Turkey, as we talked about last week as well, uh, radical countries that want to see Israel wiped off the map. And so once again we're hearing the PA leadership Talk in that way as well, as we've always heard Hamas and Islamic Jihad, and for that matter, over 40 years uh, from Iran as well, and over 20 years from Hezbollah.
0: And that leadership of the Palestinian terrorists who want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth using their Palestinian media as well. A Palestinian Authority TV host of a children's program promising the children the end of the state of Israel at the same time calling for when the armed struggle to ramp up murder against the Jewish people. Put the two together, the Palestinian incitement, the leadership doing that, and the Palestinian TV, you got quite a bit of a problem.
3: Well, and if it was only just the Palestinians, but again, they're backed by some outside powers that are, you know, between them, 200 million people between Turkey and Iran, and uh, with major military forces and money and that, and then their allies again in Lebanon and elsewhere. So it makes the Palestinian threat real. Uh, They're feeding their children this garbage all the time, Jimmy. But as the uh, reporter found this week that went out into the territories, the older Palestinians, those who've been through the previous uprisings, those who've been through the peace plans and programs that didn't work, and seen all of this, They would really rather now just live in peace and quiet and really would rather just have Israel running the show. But, of course, that's not politically correct to say that. They can't say that. And so the holy war, and that's at its base, a jihad religious holy war, is going to continue, unfortunately.
0: I do know that the Palestinians, without even reading the Trump peace plan, have rejected it. And now it seems like they're offering their own peace plan, or in other words, a way to come to a a Jewish state and a Palestinian state, a two-state solution. Palestinian Authority Prime Minister says from Ramallah that they will declare a state along the pre-1967 borders if Israel continues their move to annex Judea and Samaria. Let me ask you, David, long experience in that region of the world as a journalist Do you believe that Israel will ever allow there to be a Palestinian state pre-1967 borders?
3: Well, the Palestinians have been demanding a state all along, of course, Jimmy, but Israel has agreed already twice to the creation of ultimately of such a state that was part of the Camp david peace treaty in the late seventies uh... monacham bagan reluctantly agreed to that ultimately happening and it was part of the ninety three oslo peace accords uh... and we were on the way to building such a state and then the second uprising broke out the pa rejected the whole thing and uh... we don't have a state and they're doing the same thing today jimmy they want all or nothing, they want all of East Jerusalem and the Temple Mount under their control as part of a state. None of that is ever going to happen, so the short answer is no, probably there will not be a Palestinian state, but Israel will probably annex those Jewish-dominated areas in Judea and Samaria as
0: planned. And those actions are very biblical when you study the prophetic word of God, which David and I both do. We do know what God's prophetic passages tell us about both the Palestinian people and the land that God has promised to give the Jewish people. David, always a great honor to be able to have you give us your analysis of what is happening there in the Middle East with your Middle East News Update. We'll do it again next week. Thank you so much, my good friend.
3: Glad to do it, Jimmy. God bless.
0: We're going to take a break. When we come back, John Rood has his European Union update. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today.
2: Please call Joshua Travel today and see how we can make your trip extra special. Call 423-821-3635 or visit us online at joshuatravel.com.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central. Great to have you along. We move into our second half hour and in this half hour, John Rude standing by. He's going to give us his European Union update. Then we're going to the Pentagon. Colonel Bob McGinnis is going to talk about the military and Satan. That's going to be an interesting conversation. And I will talk to the former sheriff of Milwaukee County in Wisconsin, Rich Schmidt. You don't want to miss any of these conversations, so keep the dial right where it is this next half hour in the 90 minutes that we have asked you for so that we can give you the world and help you to understand the details behind all the headlines that are unfolding, which seemingly are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Well, as promised, we go to John Rood. He covers the European Union for us. This is a key region of the world. We have this report to look at the political, as it is indeed setting the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. And John, there's a shout from the chief of NATO, and the shout is, the Chinese are coming. Stoltenberg is warning everybody that the Chinese are on the way. Can you tell us what this is all about?
4: Yes, the NATO Secretary General, Jens Stoltenberg, he has spoken on radio as well and took a very serious view of China. And we could certainly take this as an indication of the particular situation, not only but also the uh, coming trend, because if NATO is concerned about something and voicing it, uh, obviously it's sending signals to China uh, directly as well. So he actually said the West cannot ignore the military or economic rise of China and said that we're even experiencing a shift in the global balance of power. So Beijing is uh, coming closer to the West through uh, Internet, telecommunications. Uh, as we know, there the Huawei, which is the 5G network, has had uh, very severe security issues. And Britain has said that they will, you know, work with Huawei, and yet it's sort of a spyware, you could say. And then interesting to note is that China is investing heavily in military capabilities. They added 80 ships in the last five years, which is equal to the total number of ships in the United Kingdom's Royal Navy. So uh, China is becoming more and more powerful in terms of military and economics. And so NATO is sort of ringing the bell to be certain that it remains a strong force and can deal with any future shift in the world balance of power.
0: You know, I understand that China is using high tech in order to do some of these things they are involved in today, but I understand also they're using the old-fashioned telephone. Uh, The president of China in contact over the telephone with the European Union leaders and what's so interesting about that, he's not talking with President Trump. Give us some details here.
4: Right, that's that is a good tie-in. Uh, China has real concerns about relations with the European Union. And uh, they understand that public opinion is uh, grossly against them. And so they're uh, stepping up the uh, diplomatic calls to, to Europe. Uh, Xi Jinping has spoken, the Chinese premier president has spoken with German Chancellor Angela Merkel four times this year, five times with the French president. And yet the connection with President Trump has not even been half of that. And they kind of speak at times uh, when they get together, G20 meeting, etc. We see it's a very complicated time. Uh, China is definitely expressing a high interest for Europe right now because they understand it's a pivotal form right now. There is a large annual meeting summit between the EU and China. Uh, For this year right now, it's been postponed due to the coronavirus. But China is definitely uh, working very hard to work with and assimilate uh, Europe to their personal interests.
0: Meanwhile, one of the European Union ministers visited Israel this last week, focused on the subject, the issue of annexation of Judea and Samaria, and the vice, or what we call him, the alternate prime minister, Benny Gantz, who is also the minister of defense, met with this European Union leader, and he said that Israel is committed to peace. I don't know if that's going to satisfy the European Union as it relates to annexation, but uh, indeed Israel is committed to peace.
4: Yes, that indeed is the main point right now, that uh, Netanyahu Gantz government is official, And so they're working directly with the EU foreign minister, you know, the head of security policy, Mr. Borrell. And so they're continuing and to let Europe know that there's common values and strategic interests between them and want to continue, even though, of course, as we know, the EU is applying a lot of pressure on Israel Because of the planned uh, preparation to apply sovereignty in parts of Judea and Samaria. And of course, uh, Israel as well is working with the EU to block Iran's development of nuclear arms.
0: And as the European Union will ultimately become the revived Roman Empire, they will play a key role in the prophetic future, both for the European Union, i.e., the revived Roman Empire and the Jewish State of Israel. Our man, John Rude giving us the information on the European Union, politically helping us to understand how the prophetic is being put in place. John, thank you so very much. We'll have another conversation next week. Thank you. Well, I have a very important report you're going to want to listen to, possibly we're going to bring to the broadcast table now, Colonel Bob McGinnis. Bob is an old friend of ours. I don't mean by age, but a long-time friend, let me say it that way, and he has been a broadcast partner with us in the past. Colonel Bob McGinnis has a day job at the Pentagon where he is involved with strategic planning. He travels across the world to be able to brief uh, some of the other military operations in different nations of the world, speaks and teaches at the War College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. A very active man, has written a number of books, appears on media outlets to uh, be somewhat of an expert on subjects that we're going to be dealing with as we talk with Bob today. And Bob, let me just start with a civic lesson, if you will. I have a number of questions I want to bring to your attention but as I understand civics, the Constitution, the operation of the United States, the United States military is to be led by an elected commander-in-chief, which of course would be the president, and someone who is a civilian. Is that correct?
5: Oh, that's, that's correct, Jimmy. Our founders were very concerned back in 1775, and subsequently when they drafted the the Constitution. We had a sour taste in our mouth as Americans because the British Redcoats were, you know, being housed in our homes, were being abusive in our communities. And as a direct result, uh, it became very clear after having a bad relationship with the Redcoats and King George III that, that we wanted to make sure that our military was overseen by civilians, not by military people and therefore we have in the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which regulates how our military behaves, even provisions, as you can't be disrespectful to the commander-in-chief, the elected president of the United States, nor can you engage in conduct that's unbecoming an officer as a commissioned officer that would reflect poorly upon themselves, the military, or the United States. So there are a host of Uh, rules, regulations, laws, uh, and ethics that govern our military. And I think that's important for Americans to appreciate
0: Well, I do, too. And the bottom line, I would guess, then, is that the military is to follow orders and to not make policy, correct?
5: Well, it's interesting. What I do, my day job, part of it is reading the law that Congress has passed, the interpretation of that law by the administration in place, and then I kind of write you know, a policy for the military based upon that, as well as strategies on how we conduct operations that are consistent with the law. So, you know, we do not write policy. Uh, that policy is you know, stipulated to us by the legislative branch of the U.S. government.
0: Talk to me about what happens as it relates to Uh, the Constitution. For example, I understand the Constitution calls for a police force that would be responsible to protect U.S. citizens from any type of internal violence or activities that may harm a U.S. citizen, and the United States military to protect us from external enemies that may be attacking. Pretty much on target there? That's
5: that's correct, and it's interesting. In 1807, the U.S. Congress passed what's called the Insurrection Act, uh, which basically said that uh, you're not going to use the U.S. military for internal activities, uh, except under a certain limited number of situations, such as uh, I know that there was an issue about slavery uh, in the 18 late 1860s. There was another. Uh, issue much later. Of course, we had the, the activation of forces for in Arkansas uh, as a result of uh, the segregation fight. Uh, but there's a provision that came into that insurrection act called the posse comitatus, uh, which uh, made it very clear that the U.S. military will not engage in police activities within the U- United States except under extraordinary circumstances. So The only time you see the U.S. military, it's typically National Guard, and they're under the jurisdiction of the governor uh, to supplement when there's a natural disaster, like a hurricane or something like that. Uh, Very seldom do we see the U.S. military deployed domestically to do anything that even comes close to being like a policing operation.
0: Bob, that was a great civics lesson. I wanted to discuss this civic activity for the United States military and for the police forces in America as well, because the media, in my opinion, has been butchering what really is being said, what is being done, etc., etc. et cetera. So that's great. Thank you so much for that civic lesson. Now, the civic lesson over. I want to take a moment and discuss with you your recent article on the situation of actually what's happening in the streets of America. It seemed to me as I read the article, your bottom line was that it's being directed or orchestrated by Satan. You use the exact term Satan. So then that means you must really believe there is an evil leader that is causing much of this activity to unfold.
5: Well, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, the metaphysical, the spiritual element uh, is lighting up the skies as America battles internally. Yeah, there are a lot of divisions, and there's a lot of finger-pointing from a lot of sectors saying, uh, one or the other's uh, really at fault. Uh, But ultimately, when it comes down to it, Satan, if you read your Bible carefully, uh, is not only the father of lies, but he has a... Army of demons, and they are able to manipulate human beings. As it says in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that we are dealing with rulers of darkness and of wickedness in spiritual high places. And of course, Satan has various methods that I point out in this article, and we really need to be aware of those methods because they impact both the unsaved and the saved. And when I'm talking about the general nature of some of the tools that he has. He can influence opinions, emotions, attitudes, and behavior. We see that clearly in what Paul says in Second Corinthians 4. And then he also has thousands and thousands of years of experience at kind of manipulating our thinking. He, he knows how we think, and so what does he do? He tries to influence that thinking process, and he has all sorts of very interesting psychological tools that he's you know, used through the years. And of course, Galatians 5 tells us a host of those. And there, you know, John 17, Jesus even said that he doesn't want us divided, but yet Satan is the father, the author of division. So we do see playing out in our plain view every day the divisions in America, I would say, or between those that are really seeking God's will and those that are seeking Satan's will. It's a spiritual battle. That's, of course, I don't think there's anything new here. It's just a matter that we need to put this into context and understand that the, as it says in Ephesians 6.11, stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Well, the schemes is the Greek word for methodia, which is the methods. So he has methods, and just like any combatant, any Enemy, we need to understand those methods so we can counter them.
0: Bob, that is excellent. We'll post this article by Bob McGinnis on our website, prophecytoday.com. I'm exhorting you to look at our home page where we'll post the item. I want you to read it. It is excellent. I love the quote from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And let me just quote that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers of darkness in the heavenlies. And then the context, of course, is putting on the whole armor of God. will be able to stand against the devil in the last days. Seems to me, Bob, you're exhorting us to get back to the Word of God and to make sure that our pulpits are teaching the Word of God.
5: Uh, in fact, uh, my last article was on the the Black Robe Regiment, which goes back to the Revolutionary War. And it's the British who said that the Revolutionary War was really won by the Americans because of the pastors in the pulpits of America who really exhorted the people to do the, the will of God, to do the right thing. And we were opposing King George III because of the oppression on a host of fronts. And so it was the Black Robe Regiment, the pastors, that were decisive at that point. And in fact, you know, my new book, which coming out here shortly, Jimmy, Collision Course, uh, The Fight to Redeem Our Moral Compass Before It's Too Late, I really exhort in 14 very specific goals our pastors and other Christians in our culture to wake up to what's going on and to really engage themselves in, you know, trying to reverse what is happening before us, this spiritual war and it's only if the christians rise up and do that which god has called them to do in his word uh, i think that we have a chance to survive as a culture or you know as it well could be these could be in fact the prophetic end times
0: absolutely i would agree with that folks you've been hearing the voice from colonel bob mcginnis day job at the pentagon And the rest of the time, he's either writing books or on media outlets someplace explaining what he has just explained to us, par excellence. I do appreciate you, Bob, doing that. We will post those articles right here on our homepage on prophecytoday.com. Thank you so much, Bob. Looking forward to another conversation real soon.
5: Well, thank you, Jimmy.
0: Very important conversation. Great insight from Colonel Bob McGinnis whose day job is there at the Pentagon, and a broadcaster giving information out to the entire United States, plus across the world on the internet, especially right here on Prophecy Today. Well, I'm going to go to a gentleman. I don't know how to introduce him. Should it be Sheriff Rich Schmidt? Because I understand once you're an elected official or an appointed official by the government, wherever you may be living, you're to use that title. So he was the sheriff of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I know he has just received his PhD. So I'd probably have to call him Dr. Rich Schmidt. But anyway, he's a longtime friend and a dear brother in Christ. He is also pastoring the Union Grove Baptist Church that's located just south about a half hour out of Milwaukee. If you're in that listening area, be a great church to go and hear Dr. Schmidt teach and preach the Word of God. Rich, a joy to be able to chat with you. And I know and because of the fact that you have had a law enforcement background, I wanted to spend some time talking with you about several subjects, and let me begin it this way. When you did join law enforcement for your career, what actually motivated you to get involved in that type of a career?
6: Well, thank you Dr. DeYoung for having me, and the thing that motivated me, first of all, I was I was already a church planning at that time and was looking to do something else that would serve people, help people, and basically involve my Christian walk with uh, another profession, which I felt served people and attempted to help
0: them. So the two worked hand in hand. And that leads then to my next question. Did your Christian faith in Jesus Christ impact your law enforcement career and all the activities you were involved in, even bringing you to the point of the epitome, I guess, of a law enforcement career, being a sheriff in a place like Milwaukee, Wisconsin. How about your Christian faith? Did it impact that service?
6: Well, it absolutely did. I made it my goal for the 32 years I was in law enforcement to always present myself in a way which honored Christ, and that included up to and including uh, when I was uh, the sheriff of Milwaukee County Everything I did I wanted it centered on biblical principles. I watched myself you know, most many people think cops are a little loose cannon sometimes. They use inappropriate language. That that was never the case with myself nor the people I worked with. We wanted to provide what I believe people are looking for and still looking for, which is ethical, moral, and properly seasoned individuals that Uh, did the job, but did it very professionally.
0: Rich, you and I both are students of the Word of God, prophetic. We love the prophetic Word of God, but we study the entire Bible. And we understand from Psalm 51 and 58 that each and every one of us has been born in sin. Thus, would that basically be the reason that there must be some type of a law enforcement or police force for those who have not received Christ to be able to live a life and a peaceful life among others that do know Christ as Savior.
6: Well Dr. as you've often uh, reminded me in the classes I've taken uh, under you at the School of Prophets that in Genesis 9 is when God invoked uh, human government and basically the concept of government is to protect people. That's what God originally intended and I believe still the intent today even though Uh, Many of the organizations have changed their focus, so it's absolutely imperative. Yes, people are born in sin. Unfortunately, many of them turn to horrific, violent crime, and absolutely, we must have a police force.
0: Well, then, I would have to then extend the question to policemen, law enforcement personnel. They have been born in sin as well. Thus, that produces some of what we have been hearing lately about, bad police. Would that not be the case?
6: Well, Dr. Young, unfortunately, that is true. And I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of different officers, and I want to say the majority of them, probably 99-plus percent, when they come in, they're well-vetted, they're well-trained, even though we still have the old sin nature. Uh, We're expected to to live to a standard that's law-abiding and that's proper. Unfortunately, as we just recently witnessed on a national uh, news scale, at least, when one officer makes an extremely inappropriate move, and especially in the case with uh, George Floyd, which is nationally known now, this taints the entire law enforcement community, even though it was just a particular officer that made this extremely inappropriate move. So, again, 99% of our police officers are trained to do right. They work to do right. They literally put their lives on the line to serve the community. But, unfortunately, yes, occasionally a bad egg, if you will, gets in there. That person usually or should be by the proper leadership in that police organization. Hopefully you catch the person before they go to the extent that happened with George Floyd and remove them, discipline them, even criminally punish them if it's appropriate to prevent this type of thing from happening.
0: Yes, I would agree very much. That was a horrific event, uh, the death of uh, George Floyd there by uh, the means of a police officer with his knee on his neck. Well, with that thought, there are now a number of people and a number of political leaders as well across the nation who are calling for the defunding of police, or some of them even dismantling the police altogether. What are your thoughts about that?
6: Well, if most people have been caught up with the the national news, which is basically looking at a low-level criminal that unfortunately ended up dead, the problem that that is causing is we are absolutely forgetting what is really going on in our especially in our urban communities with the extreme amount of violent crime that's taking place. We're not talking about forged checks, we're talking about murder, homicide, rape, burglary, robbery, all sorts of horrific violent crimes that if you want to defund the police, take the police away, it's going to be a free for all, chaotic society. People will be breaking in other people's homes, the murders will be off the streets, illegal guns will be extremely high. Every single thing that our society is against when it comes to public safety would be absolutely turned upside down. We would live in a chaotic society where lawlessness would abound.
0: I know that your PhD is involved in study of the eschatology of the Word of God, the end times found in Bible prophecy itself. So I want to ask you one final question, Rich. If this moment to defund police or dismantle police departments, if it continues and enlarges, could this be the beginning of the end for America?
6: Well, Dr. Young, and of course, I so much appreciate your teaching on this on these matters. If you go to Matthew chapter 24, which of course Jesus all that discourse describing things that will take place during the tribulation period, In Matthew 24 and verse 12, he makes it very clear that after the rapture of the church when the antichrist comes on the scene lawlessness will abound It very much as uh, i love to quote you when you say these things are setting the stage for bible prophecy to be fulfilled And that's exactly what's happening we're watching our society get turned on its head by liberal politicians liberal media and quite frankly i think satan is definitely having his heyday right now getting these things out there pushing this agenda so that after the rapture of the church, it'll just seem like status quo, and things will take off on the prophetic calendar, and lawlessness indeed will abound.
0: Dear friends, you've been listening to Sheriff Rich Schmidt. Oh, wait a minute. Dr. Rich Schmidt, pastor of the Union Grove Baptist Church just south of Milwaukee. I don't know what to call you, Rich, but a good friend and an articulate spokesperson, for the activities unfolding in our world today. So I appreciate so very much you giving us a couple of moments and giving us your thoughts. Great insight, my dear brother. God bless you, and hope to have another conversation not too far in the future.
6: Thank you, Dr.
0: Young. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I've got one more broadcast partner. That's David James, and then I'll take a look at the book. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central, Chattanooga, Tennessee. So glad to have you back. We're moving into our last half hour. I'll be talking with David James. We'll have our weekly conversation in a moment, so keep the dial right where it is. want you to answer my poll question, if you will. Go to my website, prophecytoday.com. There on the left-hand column, if you will scroll down, you'll find the poll question. Let me give you the question after the broadcast. Please go and answer the question. Some military leaders and leaders of the police who know God's Word, the Bible, are saying that this chaos in American streets is being orchestrated by the devil, by Satan himself. In fact, That's what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, where he said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but with evil in the heavenlies. Do you believe that passage of Scripture is absolutely true and being fulfilled today? Thank you so much for answering the poll question. I want to remind you about my prophecy moment. If you'll go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash prophecy today, you'll be able to view this five to 10 minute prophecy teaching. And by the way, be sure to like it, give us a review and subscribe so that you'll be able to get it when we put it out. We now bring to these microphones David James. David and I have a weekly conversation this week. We're going to focus on the spiritual dimension to the current chaos that's going on here in America. So glad to have you come and join us, eavesdrop on the conversation. We're going to talk about biblical principles that indeed can be applied to what is happening in our world. David, uh, we continue to receive emails from our listeners, which is great, of course. We love that. So before we get to the main topic for today's discussion, I wanted to share with our listeners one of these emails from this week. Would you do that for us, please?
4: Sure. Well, we received the following email from a lady who listens to our program concerning Jonathan Kahn, and she wrote, is Rabbi Jonathan Kahn's teaching regarding Israel accurate? She went on to Say I've enjoyed listening to his teaching on Israel's Jubilees and their Holy Days, as well as historic events that have taken place, and I wanted to make sure that I'm listening to a biblical teacher. And Jimmy, of course, our, our longtime listeners know that we've been dealing with uh, Jonathan Kahn's teachings since 2012, when we first started dealing with his best-selling book, The Harbinger. Now, I would say that Jonathan Kahn's understanding of Israel and the Feast of the Lord is extensive, And, of course, he's ethnically Jewish, but... On the other hand, I also cautioned her that he has some serious problems with various aspects of his theology that I've outlined in uh, a number of articles and a couple of books, and I've clearly documented that he has mishandled the Word of God, he's misrepresented historical facts and, and manipulated uh, statistical data, among other things, in order to promote his, uh, and defend his theories. So the bottom line is that with this mixture of truth and error, uh, he really can't be trusted as a reliable Bible teacher.
0: David, just mentioned those couple of books that you were talking about, how they can get them.
4: Sure. My first book was The Harbinger Fact or Fiction, and the second was uh, The Biblical Guide to the Shemitah and the Blood Moons, and they're both available through the Berean Call website or through Amazon.com.
0: David, last week you and I discussed the chaos of America since the death of George Floyd. And today, I thought it would be good to continue that discussion with a couple of other of our guests, which we've already done. So I thought it would be good for us to give some additional insight into the spiritual dimension of what's going on as we watch America seemingly destroy itself.
4: Well, I agree, Jimmy. It's an important issue, and I know that Bob McGittis brought up Paul's discussion of not wrestling against flesh and blood in Ephesians chapter 6. And just as a reminder for our listeners, in verse 12 of that chapter, Paul says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, there are a number of important truths in this and surrounding verses that I think directly apply to what you've described as the current chaos in America, and, you know, one of the major themes of the Bible is Satan's war against God in his attempt to thwart God's plan to establish a kingdom of righteousness beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and going through Revelation 22, which ultimately will be headquartered in Jerusalem here on this earth and then in the new heavens and in the new earth. Now, the Hebrew term, Satan is actually a title that means adversary, and Satan is sometimes also used in reference to the entire demonic realm, and that's what I believe Paul is talking about in Ephesians 6. In 1 Peter 5, 8, Satan is described as a roaring lion who roams about seeking whom he may devour, and in John 10, 10, Satan is described as a thief who seeks only to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's exactly what we're seeing on the streets of some of our country's greatest cities over the past couple
0: of weeks. David, maybe it would be helpful to discuss some of the historic and theological background that we have on Satan's war against God that we find in the Old Testament hey, maybe we could call it the conflict of the ages.
4: Well, the fallen angel we now know as Satan did not begin as the adversary, and Ezekiel referred to this angel in chapter 28 as the anointed cherub. And even though Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 are addressed to the kings of Babylon and Tyre, most conservative scholars agree that these are also about Satan's fall, because some of the things that are said go beyond what could possibly be true of the the earthly rulers. In Ezekiel, for example, we read, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. And of course, the king of Tyre was obviously not in the garden of Eden. And in Isaiah, we read how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. And of course, the king of Babylon was never in heaven. Going back to Ezekiel, we read about Satan's original position. You were the anointed cherub who covers, you were on the holy mountain of God, you were perfect in your ways in the day you were created, till iniquity was found in you. And then going back to Isaiah, we see Satan's ambition and his plan, where he says, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, and also I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High. Now, Jimmy. This is a bit of speculation, but I think that Lucifer may have rebelled because as the highest created being, he thought he should have been the regent over God's kingdom, a position that was given to Adam, a mere human.
0: You know, it's interesting that that thought is prevalent as you really dig in to what happened there in the book of Genesis. And by the way, let me remind our listeners that's Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. Those will be good passages of Scripture to study. David, let's go back to Ephesians 6 for a moment, where Paul wrote about the principalities and the powers and rulers of darkness. Do you see that as connected with what we're seeing in Isaiah and Ezekiel? I
4: definitely see the connection and I think God addresses both Satan and the kings of Babylon entire simultaneously because it's this fallen angel Who is influencing the human ruler. So I call Satan and other fallen angels the powers behind the powers, meaning the heavenly or spiritual powers behind the earthly powers. So what's playing out in the geopolitical realm seems to have some sort of parallel taking place in the spiritual realm, and I think this is confirmed in Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel has received a troubling message, followed by a powerful vision three weeks later, and after that an angel comes to him. Who is probably Gabriel based on the previous two chapters? And this angel says, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. And then the angel says this. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So you have a couple of things going on. You have the kings of Persia, human rulers, and then you have the prince of Persia, who must be an angelic being because he detained a holy angel for three weeks. And furthermore, Michael, the angelic protector of the nation, of Israel is also said to be one of the chief princes. And this transfers directly into English because a principality is a region that is ruled by a prince.
0: I want to address our listeners just a moment, David, before I ask you for the next thought or two. We do not want our listeners to misunderstand and think that we're not concerned about justice, fairness, equality for every single person. But David, would you not agree that criminal behavior cannot be used to achieve the righteousness of God?
4: I think you're absolutely right, Jimmy. You know, provision for freedom of speech and peaceful protest and expectations of justice and equality, those things are built into our Constitution, and we agree with that. And we also agree that what happened to George Floyd and others was unnecessary, it was avoidable, it was evil, and arguably, it should be a catalyst for, I would say, personal introspection and evaluation and reform and change at a number of levels. So we Agree with that too, but we're seeing far too much anarchy and chaos and lawlessness and rebellion against biblical principles, and I would say against God Himself. You know, love is not driving so much of this, and far too much is being driven by hatred, and that's not coming from the Lord. Uh, just earlier today, I was watching an interview, and I saw Ben Watson. Uh, he's a former NFL player and a believer, and a black man, by the way. And he said that we have a God who is one of kindness and justice and righteousness. And interestingly, Fox News actually put up the entire verse he was referring to on live television, which is Jeremiah 9.24. So, Jimmy, as you and our listeners know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but sometimes there are conspiracies, and I think a strong biblical case can be made for what we're witnessing being part of what I would call a cosmic conspiracy. God and man and the holy angels have a common enemy, and that enemy is Satan and his army of fallen angels. And unbelievers can be pawns in the, in his war against God. And I would also say believers can also unwittingly fall into the same trap if they're not careful.
0: David, since uh, you've brought up basically in your conversation with me today the subject of war... Let's finish up by going back to Ephesians chapter 6 again, because that's exactly the analogy that Paul uses as he exhorts believers, you and me, about how to prepare and engage in this battle.
4: Sure. Well, we talked about verse 12 of Ephesians 6, and here's what Paul writes in verses 10 and 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Then in verse 13 we read, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. And then he goes on to talk about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the sandals of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. So this armor of God refers to taking a defensive posture, standing firm against the devil, not trying to attack him. And that's consistent with what James says in chapter 4, uh, verses 6 and 7, where he writes, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God." Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul talks about not being ignorant of the devil's schemes, and, and we know exactly what's going on as we've discussed. And then finally, Paul concludes his discussion of this spiritual battle by referring to the sword of the spirit, which he says is the word of God. And this is how we help others in their struggle in this battle. And the leaders in churches and other ministries need to be equipping people by clearly and accurately and consistently teaching the word of God.
0: Folks, you've heard interwoven throughout our conversation the passage of scripture there in Ephesians chapter six. Let me exhort you to go to Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10 through verse 18. Study that and be sure to be willing to put on the whole armor of God to be able to stand against the devil in these, the end times. David, great conversation. I think this was key to helping put a spiritual dimension to the current chaos here in America. So thank you so much for the conversation, and I'm looking forward to another one with you next week. As
4: always, thanks a lot, Jimmy.
0: We're going to take a break when we come back. I'm going to take all the reports from my broadcast partners. We'll open the Bible, take a look at the book. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today.
2: Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com.
0: It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. What a time to be alive with all that is happening around the world. You know, it's absolutely a time when the stage is being set for the prophetic scenario that is found in God's Word to be fulfilled. The reports from our broadcast partners, reporting from all around the world, reveal to us the details behind the headlines and actually help us to see how close we must be to prophecy being fulfilled if you had an opportunity to listen to the entire 90 minutes of the program, you know what I'm talking about. However, if you are unable to hear all of these reports, please go to my website, prophecytoday.com, then go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network, and there you'll be able to listen to each and every one of the reports. And then do me a favor, if you will, tell a friend so that they can find the location, listen to these reports, and be as knowledgeable as you are as to what is happening in our world. I want to take a moment right now, if you'll allow me, to rehearse the lead stories from each of our broadcast partners and then give you my prophetic perspective. We had Ken Temmerman, And Ken's headline story, Iran is ready to break out their nuclear weapons of mass destruction. If you're listening to a prophecy program, especially mine, you probably are hearing Iran, Iran, Iran. That's what we're hearing because it is Bible prophecy. It's very biblical. Persia is the name for modern-day Iran that is used by the ancient Jewish prophet Ezekiel there in Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 5. Though they're mentioned as Persia, and that's the way they were called until 1936, today they are ready to be a major player in the end-time scenario that's found in the Word of God. They will be a part of an alignment of nations that will join with the other Islamic nations and be led by Russia to make an effort to destroy the Jewish state. That's why Iran is in the news. That's why we report about Iran on a weekly basis. And that's the reason that Ken Timmerman's report on Iran and the development of their nuclear weapon of mass destruction was our lead story on the program today. That nuclear weapon ready to be mounted on a Shahab-3 missile and aimed, first of all, at Israel. And then David Dolan, with his Middle East news update, coming from his vast experience of over 35 years as a journalist in the Middle East, he also talked about Iran. There it is, Iran, Iran, Iran. Well, he said that the Iranian military is masked at this moment, I mean right now, at the Israeli border. Iran, as we've already mentioned, want to destroy the Jewish state. They'll form an alliance to be able to do that. And when we talk about one nation so much, and you understand what their end-time scenario is going to be, I want to exhort you to pay attention so we can recognize where we are in God's time. I love what Jesus Christ, when he made a pre-incarnate appearance to Daniel, Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12, he says to Daniel, since you set your heart to understand the times. What a great exhortation that is for us today. John Rood, who lived there in Brussels, Belgium for over 30 years, is the man who reports on the European Union and their activities. And the European Union, of course, would include NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Their chief is saying the Chinese are on the move to the West. And in fact, this is a part of their effort to control the entire world. Well, my dear friend, Red China does have that as a goal to be number one superpower in the world powerful economically and militarily. The Bible mentions the kings of the east there in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12, and this prophecy will be fulfilled in the last six months of the tribulation period. China will be the main leader of the kings of the east entering into the Middle East, going to Jerusalem to try to stop Jesus Christ from coming back. John's point is, that the European Union will most likely be the revived Roman Empire foretold in Daniel chapter 7. We see these two passages of Scripture coming together very quickly. Colonel Bob McGinnis, he was at the Pentagon, said that the military is to obey the commander-in-chief, but he also brought the Scriptures to our attention, Bob McGinnis, a student of the Word of God, said that the president, a civilian, is to give the orders for the military there to follow. But then he brought to our attention the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and verse 12, talking about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers in the heavenlies. That's a key passage of Scripture, and you need to study it and understand what Bob was saying to us. Then, Dr. Rich Schmidt, who was the former sheriff of Milwaukee County, Wisconsin, came to the broadcast table to talk about if indeed the streets of America continue on and that theme of defunding the police continues and gets stronger and stronger, this may well be the end of the United States of America. You see, Bible prophecy does not mention America. And thus, this may be one way that America will be destroyed from within. Without law and order, anarchy, open rebellion could lead to the downfall of America. David James and I continued along the same theme with the chaos in America. And David really got into the scriptures there in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 about Satan as the god of this world, the power behind all of the chaos. You want to hear what David had to say and study that passage of Scripture. Well, everything we've mentioned here, as we've rehearsed what our broadcast partners had to say on the broadcast today, is very key for our understanding of how the end times will unfold. Now, with all of this information, it's tangible, solid evidence that we're quickly approaching the next event. On God's calendar of activities, and that is the rapture of the church. That rapture actually could happen today. And having said that, nothing left for me to say,
2: except let's keep looking up until. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.